Mama. I'm Gosha Scarrot, and this is the Firestarter Mom podcast, the show where we feature inspiring conversations with Firestarter moms and experts on motherhood identity shift, finding our inner firebug, and feeling adequate and empowered as moms and women. Welcome. Do you feel that your role as a mother has taken away your self-identity? Why moms feel like they've lost themselves in motherhood? What does the process of rediscovering yourself back look like? If you are curious to find answers to that, this episode is for you. In today's episode, I speak to Jacqueline Kelly, a life coach and a mom of two, who shares her identity shift story and how her own challenges inspired her to become a life coach, to now help moms rediscover, redefine, and reclaim themselves back in life. Jacqueline has spent the last few years challenging the unrealistic standards of motherhood, and in doing so has redefined what's possible for the mothers she work with. I hope you enjoy it as much as I have when speaking to Jacqueline. Let's get started. Hi Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you. So lovely to have you here. I'm actually really, really excited to have you on the show. I have found you on Instagram. So I like to look for some great inspiration. And as since I'm going through like motherhood matrescence journey, um, your content definitely caught me because you are so inquisitive and so and I'm so deep when it comes to motherhood, moms feeling lost. So um, I'm very excited to talk today more about that. <laughs> but what I um, love to start the show with is asking my guests about that transition from who they were before becoming mom and then after. So if I start uh, from asking you, who were you, Jacqueline, before you became mom? Great question. Who was I before I became a mom? So I live here in Ireland, but I'm from Scotland. And prior to motherhood, prior to motherhood becoming such a big part of my identity, my career from kind of 2006 onwards until about 2010 really had been in the humanitarian sector. So I worked with NGOs, um, non-governmental organisations within the humanitarian sector, both here in Ireland, out in different parts of Africa, and loved it, absolutely loved it. And then um, I got engaged to my Irish man and... At that time, it was a huge shift for me to change career. And I knew that the career that I had dreamt of for so long in terms of working overseas in emergency context, it was no longer viable for the type of life that I wanted to build, which was to get married and have a family. And I taught English as a foreign language then for a couple of years before getting married, got married. And thankfully, things went incredibly well in terms of trying to get pregnant and have a baby. So for we were very lucky and very grateful that there were no difficulties. So I had then my first child in 2013. So prior to that, I was very much a traveler and an adventurer and loved traveling all over the world. Fantastic, yeah, sounds definitely like adventure was, was in your heart. Mm. And so um, what did you love actually about yourself as a person then? Mm. You know, when I was growing up, my mother very much instilled in myself and my brother a sense of confidence that no matter where we went or what we did, we could always come home. 
and we could always try something else. And I have always been aware of my confidence and I, I loved it then. I love it now and I see it in my children. And it's it's something that has to be practiced. So I've, I've always loved that about myself in terms of feeling confident enough to try something or go somewhere and trust that if it doesn't go the way I had hoped or I had dreamt or I had planned, that it was okay. I could always come home again and try something new. Confidence. So would you say like life confidence, self-confidence as well? Yeah, a self-confidence and just in my ability to be okay regardless of the situation and the circumstances that I find myself in. You know, that's a, that's such a beautiful uh, kind of skill, I would say, to have, or resource, resource, to have that confidence. What was the impact of that in how you are with people, how you approach even your job? Um, it's had a huge impact. And in actual fact, when I look back now, I'm the youngest of my family as well. I have a big brother and two older sisters. And I think being the youngest of four, having the confidence instilled in me by my parents and particularly my mother, it has allowed me to live a, a fun life, a life that whenever I would find myself in a different country or a new job, I would be inspired by the people around me or the conversations or the jobs that other people did. And if I felt drawn to it, I would look into it and I would, that's usually what has led me on to the next stage of my life. This idea of believing that if I worked hard, if I could make it happen, then there's no reason why it, it wouldn't happen. Given my resources, um, would I have to save for it? How would I save for it? How could I make it happen? So the impact that it has had on me, that sense of confidence is that I truly have believed that there was huge possibility for me in my life. Fantastic. I mean, I, I love the topic of confidence. It's been a quite long journey for me to kind of work on it, uh, including like work on self-worth. But I also believe that in order to be confident mom or, or that confidence in motherhood starts in being a confident woman is looking at core of you and that self-confidence in you because the motherhood uh, really challenges us with many aspects and it is how we show up to that with that confidence that we have or not defines uh, in many ways many aspects uh, how we then um, maybe experience that motherhood to some extent um, so on that note I wanted to ask you how did you find becoming mom in, in your first year how do you reflect on that um well certainly when I first entered into motherhood my confidence was shaken greatly so deeply deeply so um having been a very confident woman um who had traveled and had had different jobs I, I now found myself in a role in a capacity that I had been looking forward to and had really anticipated and yet now found myself completely uncertain as to how to manage this new role you know we are I was handed my baby it was quite a difficult birth and my first child and to then be given my baby and sent on my way so we go from being very able and very capable and very confident in our abilities to then all of a sudden being in a position where I don't know what his cries mean and I don't know how often he should feed and I don't know what that nappy means how often should we be changing nappies and 
I don't know if what I'm feeling is normal and is it oh, is it normal that my husband and I are having these arguments or that I have these feelings towards him? So all of a sudden we find ourselves in a very uncertain and unknown environment that no matter the books that you read or the forums that you read online, it all comes with experience and a new mother doesn't have that experience yet. And I think that, amongst a lot of other things, that has the incredible power to wipe the confidence from under us. Yes, I've, I know exactly what you mean. I normally make the a differentiate between what confidence versus what self-confidence is. So to me, confidence is something that, you know, let's say you want to gain new skill in something and you are new to it. Uh, just like navigating from motherhood, you kind of don't know ins and outs and everything is new. So we naturally lose that confidence. But when we look at self-confidence, which is, okay, I have no clue, but I don't let this define my worth or or me as human. I know that this is new. And yes, yeah, so there is that aspect. But being as we are going through mature sense, sometimes those lines are blurred, I must yeah. say because it is such a di different and so profound such a profound experience mm -hmm. uh, that we can compare to actually gaining skills anywhere mm -hmm. right in your content in your community on instagram i see that you dive deep you talk a lot uh, beautifully about experiences you are going through and how you support moms particularly moms who feel they've lost themselves in motherhood. So I wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about how you experience that sense of losing your identity and what that actually means uh, for also clients you work with. Hmm. The language that I use now is definitely not the language that I would have used back when I was feeling these feelings. So this, of course, always comes with great insight and wisdom that you learn because you have to learn. So back in the earlier days when I when I was that mum who felt lost and I felt like I had lost my identity, it very much felt like I was consumed by motherhood. I was my son's mum and I was my husband's wife. And that was a difficult, there was difficulty around that because I felt in accepting those pieces fully, I was losing some of what I believe myself to be. Because all of the things that I had used in the world to reaffirm who I believed I was, my job, my disposable income, the clothes that I wore, the books that I had the time to read, the bus journey from my house into Dublin City Centre, um, listening to podcasts, going for drinks with friends, being able to go away for a night or a weekend, should I so wish to, without the extra you know, planning that would require bringing a child or having my child looked after. So all of those things were gone. And in the midst of that, I now had the addition of the baby. So I'm looking after his needs and I'm figuring out how I can get through the day in terms of being a mom, the new responsibilities, the new roles. As time went on, I started to realize, okay, I don't know who I am really anymore because my interests have changed, my vocation, my professional identity has gone because I, I, I had decided along with my husband that I was going to stay at home um, with my son. So that part of myself was gone and I didn't know when and what that would look like should, that, should I decide to go into a different profession. Um, my How I responded to different things, external things, because I was now a mom 
changed because all of a sudden you watch the same TV shows or you watch the news and it's different because you are fundamentally changed because your baby is now in this world. So you're watching these things and you're thinking, I'm now seeing the whole world through a very different lens. Yeah. And in doing so, through the lens of a mother, which I fully accepted, but I felt like in doing that, the part of me, the individual, the woman, the one person who was now this mother, I felt like she was gone from my life for quite a while. And I didn't know how how to make space for her. I wanted to, but I didn't have time, I felt. I didn't I didn't know what interested me. I didn't know what books to read, really. And when I did read, you know, my baby would be wanting looked after, of course, because they're babies, that's what they do. And how it shows up for a lot of women that I work with, you know, I, I generally don't work with mums, new mums, because there is a certain element of there is chaos in motherhood. And we go through that and we have to settle in. And then usually the women that I work with, they have, they have been mums for at least a year. And it's often the case where they have several children. So they could actually be two, three, four, five years into their motherhood. And what has happened is they've come to a point in their life where they, they have an opportunity now to reflect. Because in motherhood, we're so busy. There isn't much opportunity to self-reflect and to think about where I've been, where I am now and where I'd like to go in the future. So these mums... When they contact me, they often will speak of things like they're, they feel so guilty about wanting time for themselves. And yet they, they know they would like time for themselves because they want to get to know themselves again. Because the things that used to interest them, they've tried and they don't work anymore, which then makes them think that they're failing at self-care. And then this goes into a whole discussion of if I can't even look after myself or I don't even know what I want then what kind of person am I? So these women present with very similar issues, very similar challenges, but very unique ones as well, because of course we all have very different lives. Yes, uh, I think I, well, my daughter is 16 months, so I am just actually stepping into that space where I feel I have a little bit more time to hear myself. But as you said, those first uh, months, yeah, just just forget but when I reflect on what really impacted most my sense of identity is that lack of personal space and what I was doing with that space. Because, you know, I also knew myself before, maybe developed certain belief about who I am, what I am. And then, like, like I said, motherhood uh, absolutely reshuffled that and you learn your, who you are from start. But I think there are certain parts that, I, in a way, want to protect. I don't know if you um, also reflect on your journey um, as well. So when you became mom, did you feel that, that there are certain parts of your core self that you really wanted to protect or uh, kind of bring with you as part of your, uh, but in your new role as a mom? I think, I mean, there's lots of different thoughts and they're so dependent upon your experience, but when I say that the woman that you were is gone, I mean this in the sense that just like the 18-year-old version of you is gone, she's not going to come back into your life. And if we were to think about it like that, what it does is it helps us, it helps demonstrate that we are waiting and we are robbing ourselves of an opportunity to get to know who we are now. Who you were will always be part of who you're becoming. Because it's your lived experience, it is your history, it's your opinions, it's your grief, it's your joy. All of that is the very fabric of who you are becoming. 
But what happens is a lot of mums will often fall into this trap that society will encourage us to fall into. It, it encourages us to believe that, you know, one day you're going to bounce back and you'll be yourself again, as if somehow that who you are right now is not actually the very building, the foundation of something incredible. So this idea of waiting for her to come back, it's almost like you, in doing so, you can't move forward. You cannot get to know this version of you rather than make space for, okay, I used to love going and say salsa dancing, but now I find that I don't have the time or I don't have the, I'm not as interested in that. So perhaps it is a different form of dance that you might be interested in, or it could be, again, a variation of the very thing that that version of you loved. Or as you say, like I have found since I became a mother, like I always would have written things and I always would have had a very inquisitive mind and a deep hunger and thirst to understand kind of big topics. Mm. Motherhood has completely opened up this whole other untapped resource of creativity and inspiration and deep thinking that was always there. And yet I didn't really feel much attention. I didn't really feel the need to draw from it. Whereas now motherhood has opened it up for me in a way that I don't know if anything else in my life would ever have done. Oh, yeah. And when you look at your values uh, before and then after, how, how those have changed? What is yes. that you value right now? Well, I suppose I look at values a little bit differently. So when you say values, what do you mean? What's important to you? Right so now? when I think about my values, I would often think about the, the kind of work that I do around values is based on the work of a man called Dr. John D. Martini. And he yes. introduced me to this concept of values and how essentially our values the you can think of them like priorities and every single person in the world has a very very unique set of values which is based on your life experience and all the things that you have been exposed to and influenced by your whole life from the moment you were born up until today our values change and so prior to having children my highest values would have been you know socializing travel and also my friends my friendships so I would have lived a life very aligned with meeting those values those those were my priorities so my husband well my fiance at the time my boyfriend we would go for a night away we would go out drinking and eating with friends we would go on adventures together so it was a very full and very enjoyable lifestyle that we had and each of us was living very congruently with what our priorities were when so we have by, children if, oh, yeah so when think of values I think of something that is intangible. So for example, my when I reflect at my core values, I always define that it is uh, personal growth, self-expression, respect as kind of like top three. So something that is under the priority, something that drives it. That's, that's what I mean. So when you look at that aspect, how has that changed now for you? Well, my, my highest value now would be, I think, understanding identity and motherhood that's what I read about it's what I think about it's what I spend my money on it's what I'm studying so if you look at my life and you can see you know all of these lived examples you can see that my life demonstrates all the things that I hold very dearly and are priorities for me next would be my family you know my husband my children so I make decisions that allow me to live a life that is making decisions that are best for me and my family and also how they influence the study that I do and the work that I do. 
And then, you know, we, we the further down we go on that as well would be things like personal development. That's in there as well. That would be a high priority for me. That ties in with the research and the work and the study that I do within counselling and psychotherapy and the motherhood field as well. And when I am li- when I'm making decisions that honour those three top priorities, mm-hmm. then my life feels busy and full, but enjoyable and true for me when I start making decisions on things that and prioritizing things that don't suit those then that's when I start to feel sluggish and resentful and you know tired and overwhelmed and exhausted in your experience working with uh, moms what do they find most difficult about understanding values what's on the way because there's such a moral element to what society tells us is a good mom or a good woman or a good wife a good girl And often what can happen is that a woman, when she becomes a mother, she might have a career that she has worked very hard for and loves. And then when she becomes a mum, she gets caught up in this narrative around, well, good mums really don't want to go back to work. Your highest priority should now be your child. And there's a big, often there's a big conflict between this idea of, well, does it, what, what does it say about me as a mother if I can't wait to go back to work after my maternity leave? I can't wait, you know, to be, back in that environment that I love in my professional world and I also love my children so this is a big conflict that comes up a lot as I'm sure you understand as well and see Gosha this idea and yet the values piece comes important becomes very alive in a conversation like that because when moms stop looking for permission from other people when a mom can truly own the fact that this is my life my motherhood my family my career there is no right or wrong here And if I am living a life that I'm unhappy in because I believe that this is what I should do because society tells me that I should do that, then that's when we start to see mums who, you know, there is a lot of resentment there. There is burnout. There is feelings of not being fulfilled and not even being happy being at home because she doesn't really want to be there. She actually wants to be at work, but she's bought into the narrative that, well, a good mum wouldn't want to be at work, which is, it's not true at all. It's a very outdated concept. And I think mums today are realising that, but there's still this lingering sense of guilt around the fact that I can be a mum and still want my career. Yeah, I um, when my baby was born, and then obviously when I uh, when I was in that time to find new friendships and it was going to many groups uh, and stuff, Yes, uh, there was a lot of a lot of conversation uh, around uh, guilt, mm, but I, I will be honest with you, I, I never really resonated exactly with this because uh, for me mm, personally, I do find motherhood boring and very mundane. Um, of, of course, there are some beautiful moments, of course, and of course I need to add this. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yes, but for me, it is not because I worry about. Uh, so societal narrative or how I will be perceived for me it is purely balance I I spend too much time with my baby and I know that I just need more time away and I think going back to that sense of self-confidence I feel that I would not be able probably just to say it and and as it is with um, such conviction if if that core I wasn't mm-hmm. kind of something that I have been working on for, for quite a long time. I'm also a coach and I've been in, in on a personal development journey for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that helped me in a way own my truth rather than take 
kind of social narrative as as my truth, my story. So I think it's it's um it's very valuable what you are saying that many moms feel um, almost like influenced more by. Uh, what is said, what is expected, uh, and all those unrealistic, uh, unrealistic standards of motherhood, and they they have tougher time, like really challenging that internally. But I wonder how you help moms uh, through your coaching. You know, create that process of peeling off that which is not theirs, and actually discovering what they truth and then owning it. Mm. It's very, it can be very straightforward and very simple. Um, I think a lot of the time we can make these things a lot seem more difficult than they actually are. Generally speaking, as you know, when, when you're listening to somebody talk and they're saying, I should do this and you should do that, or they're, when you're working intimately with a mum in a group program or one to one, it really is a privilege because we get to see behind the veil, we get to see behind the closed door. And this is where it could be for the first time that a mother is truly opening up about how she feels and the language that she's using in terms of feeling guilty or feeling resentful, feeling lonely, feeling overwhelmed. They're all invitations to explore why. Like if you're so overwhelmed and yet you are the one that has created your routine and is taking on these responsibilities, what's so difficult about letting go of the responsibilities? And then that's when we start to see that, well, I do these things because I've always done them or I can't say no. So already we start to see, well, you can't say no because of why. And then this feeds into this idea of I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want people to think I'm not a nice person. And then it's this idea you go again. And so, you know, what makes a nice person? And then we start to talk about that. And then we realize, and often the mum by this point has really realized that in trying to maintain this facade of being a nice person and being lovable, she's choosing other people's happiness and other people's ease and comfort over her own. But for what benefit? Because we do nothing without a benefit. And when we can figure out what the benefit is to her, then she gets to decide, is this actually worth maintaining? Because if it is, and it's not good nor bad, but if it is actually worth the benefit that you get out of being seen as a nice person or the perception that you're a good person is it really that important to you and if it is then let's put it out there and explore where that's coming from as well and some mums will decide that actually I do like that so then the how they see the overwhelm or how they see the exhaustion or the burnout changes because then rather than it being done to them there's a certain level of responsibility that's taken in terms of what role do I play in this as well yeah yeah absolutely you know what? Well, I think you are running. Um, not I think I know because I am in that challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I know that you had that prompt around what good mom means. Can you tell me what good mom means to you? How how do you even define it for yourself? Mm. It's such a loaded question, um, and I've over the years done a huge amount of work on this so this idea of the good mum it's very much based on the perfect mother myth so this is you know there are academics who talk about this and the perfect mother myth this idea of there being a, a standard idealized version of a mother and the research into what she looks like is that she you know she's never angry she's happy she is fulfilled she is usually white heterosexual slim, educated. So these are all the boxes that without us realizing it from a very, very young age, we we have an internalized vision of what a good mother is. 
and we grow up and then we become mothers. And that's when we realize that I am not those things. So what does that mean? And the gap between who I actually am and who I perceive I need to be in order to be a good mum, the gap is so huge. And this discussion around what makes a good mum, it's it's to challenge your beliefs, the ones that you don't even know you have around what makes a good mum. Because I remember working with a group of women and during this discussion, we were we were talking about this and we were doing an exercise on it. And one of the women, she said, you know, when I think about a good mother, what she looks like, what she wears. She says, I imagine a woman in a kitchen baking, wearing an apron. And she says, and I, I don't know why I associate baking with being a good mum, but I do. And she says, and I don't bake, I've never baked. And she says, and every time the school asks me or ask the mums to bring in, I always feel guilty because I'm not baking. She says, but I've had this idea that that's what a good mum does. She bakes. So, I mean, and that sounds like such a small one thing, but we have hundreds of those little moments stored up inside of us. And this is what the good mum is. This is what we believe because you and I can talk all day about, you know, a good mum is whatever she wants to be. But that's that's surface level. The, the the deeply held beliefs, they are sitting much further, they're deeper down. And those are the ones that get challenged and touched and poked when we start to really think about what makes a good mum. I think this is super fun what you say, because um, I think I started to ask myself uh, those questions about how do I want to show up as a mum uh, for, for my family? And I definitely recognize that in a chat telling me that maybe I should step up with my cooking, for example, yeah, because I, I don't really find this enjoyable. That kind of questions like, what should I be? And and what did I um, come back to? To the initial associations I had that exactly what you are saying, memories like, oh, yes, my, my grand, grandma was cooking. She mm. she was just brilliant at this. The same, my mom, she she was doing a lot of it. And uh, yeah, all those things, all those ideas are coming back. But then I think it's important, yes, to recognize that. Is it mine? Well, yeah. actually, it's not. Like, well, you can give it a go, but w- what is it? From what place is it coming? From place of I am not enough with how I am and I need to change it to just measure up to some sort of idea of of mom so I think what you say is there is a lot and there are little things so many that we are not aware of because you know what also I thought that but who defines good mom is it the child that defines good mom or mother because we like to think from our kind of ego point uh, to some extent that's ego uh, how we want to really perceive ourselves inside us and then feel good about whether we measure up or not but actually, when you take it from, when you ask a different question, like, was my mom good mom? What mm. about that question? Was my mom a good mom? Well, and I'm thinking now, my mom, I would say my mom was a good enough. So if there is a scale that she, this is bad, this is perfect, in between is good. And good in my book means good enough. So my mom was good enough. She wasn't bad she wasn't perfect she she was critical she was uh, simply imperfect but as a child when I reflect when I look at my mom she was a good mom mm-hmm. I think as ch- children we don't expect our parents to be I don't know what uh, those perfect baking but yeah it, it's lovely but that's not how we measure how we mm-hmm. 
And I could only see it if I asked myself that question from the perspective of simply me being a child of my mom. Because who is there to define what mom you are? I think it's not even mom, it's the child. And she. I think all she can probably control is just like, I think good mom is the loving and caring mom. And I think that's the core, just like about our identity. The core identity about us is not really what we do, how we do it, but actually who we are to our core. Are you loving, caring, trustworthy person, honest or whatever? That, that's really at your core. So I think that that was my reflection, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and it, there's, I mean, there's so much work done around this. It's a, a psychotherapist, a psychologist called Winnicott, who coined the term the good enough mother in the hope that mothers would be able to give themselves some grace because this idea when we when a mother tries to maintain or tries to achieve this perfect mother myth status then that's where you're going to find more guilt and shame come in about I'm not good enough because the thing that we compare ourselves to is a fantasy it's not real anyway but that part of us that is vulnerable and that part of us that has been deeply conditioned into believing that it is real and that you have to do that. So the the good part, like how you define it, I think is wonderful for you, how other people, and this is the beauty of it. You know, we each get to define because when we talk about loving and caring, how do we define those things as well? So I think the the most important piece about it is the recognition of that you do you and I'll do me. And you do you and you do you. And each of us gets the opportunity to redefine what motherhood means for me and what works for my family and my ambitions and my hopes and my dreams. This idea that somehow that there is this one size fits all motherhood that we should all be trying to aspire to. I think it's it's toxic and it's hurtful and it does not serve the children, the families. And most of all, it does not serve the mothers. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I totally agree. The, the those standards and we often, I would say, my assumptions about motherhood when I was expecting my baby, I just did not think about this. It's just only now that I'm thinking, like, what exact expectations and beliefs around motherhood you actually had, you know, when mm-hmm. when you when you became mom, and I think it's so incredibly important to look into it and figure out what it is because that that could be such source of suffering even when it comes to relationship and mm-hmm. and how we yeah. also experience motherhood i had around me people with kids who were quite open about difficulties and challenges of course but to be honest with you i it was a concept somewhere in the air it is only when you actually experience like I would never think that motherhood can be that lonely for me, literally. So I think it is only when you experience it that then you actually really truly understand, uh, understand that. And I think that is the time where you can definitely uh, look deeper and try to understand, try to find uh, better experience. I always say that I believe that there is so much potential for me to find more joy in motherhood and for many moms and they aspire to that. They want that. Um, so I try to define or identify what that would be for me. But how did you find more joy in motherhood? Because you felt lost. You, you went for that kind of process. How did you find more joy and confidence about you being you as you want as a mom mm. and woman? For me and for a lot of the moms that I work with, it's the in order to rediscover the joy, because we have 
most of us at some point in our lives have felt joy and we have felt happiness or whatever it is, whatever the feeling is that that mum thinks that she wants, there is an echo of it inside of us still. And so it doesn't take much to find it. But in order to tap into that, what I believe was necessary for me was I had to get clear on my doubts. I had to figure out where I was feeling insecure and why. And from that place, I was able then to challenge the narrative around motherhood and what I believed I had to do in order to be a good mum. So I had to get comfortable with not accepting many things that I had been told were true about my relationship now that you know I was in motherhood. I had to look at every area of my life. I had to look at my finances. My husband and I had to have difficult conversations around who does what and when, and why had I taken on the full responsibility of the looking after the children, the house, the food, and my husband is now in a position where he has taken on full financial responsibility. So each of us are now feeling very frustrated and alone, but the communication wasn't there, but we had fallen into these very stereotypical gendered roles. And so I had to get comfortable with being uncomfortable by having the conversations, by speaking openly about what I believed to be true in my mind. And yet when I would speak it, it would become clear that it wasn't true. And it was a, a, an idea, an ideal a perception that I had. So I had to, and again, I see it time, time again, I think in order to rediscover that joy, then there are things that have to be worked through, vulnerability being prepared to challenge your own existing belief structure because only then can we when we can challenge it and decide what's working for us and what isn't then we get to decide what we want to bring with us into the future and then it's the commitment as well like how committed are you to actually taking responsibility for your own happiness you know nobody's going to do it for you as much as you'd like to think but I found myself I at some point absolved myself of responsibility for my own happiness. And I blamed at times my husband for me being unhappy. And that was a big learning curve where I, I remember coming across the work of a man called Nathaniel Brandon. And he works a lot around self-esteem, self-worth. And he spoke of this concept, self-responsibility. And I remember when I first heard it and it, it made so much sense. And I felt like that was the missing piece to what I was not doing. And that can be a difficult place to get to because if I have to look at where am I not taking responsibility for lots of different things in my life, my nutrition, my sleep, you know, my relationship, my finances, my happiness. If I'm not taking responsibility for those things, then who am I expecting to be responsible for them? And that that can be quite a challenging conversation to have with yourself and then yes. with the relevant people as well. Yes, I'm listening. I'm actually like my face really good. <laughs> uh, I think that topic is very close to my heart. I think yeah. the, the aspect of responsibility and how I seeing it as a certain like lens through which I I don't know look at me and how I rise up to that in a way. Yes, that is my definitely self inquiring these days around mm -hmm. that. I know that you are launching uh, soon the program uh, Brave, and uh, in which you take women through the process of uh, rediscovering themselves. I mean, rediscover, redefine, reclaim. Yes. 
can you tell us a little bit more about what, what happens in rediscover and then redefine and then reclaiming? Mm. So the rediscover part is actually, that's the first couple of weeks. And that's where we look at things like your values. And it may be the first time ever that the mother has actually realized that she is living, she's trying to live her life now according to what was important to her and what was a priority for her prior to having children. And so the opportunity that we have in a program like Brave is that it's like, I, I don't have answers. I don't give out answers to anybody because who am I to advise somebody on their life? That's not what we do. But what it does is creates a space for mums to think about all these things like, what do you think about? What do you talk about? What do you visualize? What do you dream about? Show me your bank statement so I can see. Well, I don't actually ask them to show me their bank statement. But as an example, like if I were to come into your house and see the magazines on your table or the books on your bedside table, what music are you listening to? All of these things, they are demonstrating evidence in our life of what's actually important to us. And this may be the first time that a mom is actually realizing I'm saying that these are important, but my life is actually demonstrating that these are important. And yet I haven't been paying much attention to these, even though I'm doing them because I want to. But for some reason, I'm not classing them as important. I'm too busy looking at this stuff, like going to the gym or thinking about a job that maybe I do want to go back to or that I don't want to go back to. When in actual fact, perhaps the mum is wanting to, she's reading about coaching or she's reading about setting up, you know, a, a, her own baby massage business. So there's so much evidence in our life of who we actually are and not who we think we should be. So this gives mums an opportunity just to explore that in a way that they've never done before. We also address what I call the shitty self-talk, this idea of bringing your awareness and your attention to how you actually speak to and about yourself in your own mind and how you speak about yourself in the company of other people. Oh, you know, I'm just, it's so silly. I, I could never do that. So this is this is often a big one because, again, it's the idea of the, the workbook that we go through um, based on, again, the work of other mindfulness people. It's this idea of bringing your attention to your thoughts. And one of the exercises is this idea of taking a note of how often that day you've actually been talking shit to yourself and about yourself. And that can be quite confrontational because all of a sudden you realize why would I even dream of believing that I could be happy or successful when I'm talking to myself like this all day every day and that can hurt because we realize if I'm not even supporting myself then I imagine it's even more difficult for me to truly believe that other people love me and support me and then the redefine is when we get an opportunity then to look at our relationships based on what we've learned about ourselves and our values and thinking about how they apply in our relationships. And we get an opportunity to think about this is what it is now and it doesn't have to stay like that. And I don't have to stay like this. I can redefine something. I can change how it's always been done and alter it into something that in actual fact brings me and the other person a lot more joy and happiness and peace between us so it, it's a real voyage of discovery and we look at things like exploring mm -hmm. our ideas about how we mother the parts of ourselves that we feel very ashamed of I call this the dark mother again it's very much based on shadow work and the idea mm -hmm. that there are parts of us that again show up in our motherhood because we don't own them and as you know, your children very much can reflect back at you the very things 
that you don't like about yourself. And so we meet ourselves time and time again in our with our children and our relationships. So it's about you know almost looking at the bits of ourselves and how how we can bring them back into a place of integrity. Fantastic that inner fire <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I am very curious when has that awakened in you? Because yeah, how far in your postpartum journey, I mean like after becoming mummy where, where was that shift that you decided that you know what I want to work with mums and yeah I want to support them in this 2016 my son my first baby was born at the end of 2013 my second baby was born in September 2015 and then by the September October of 2016 I was studying to become a coach but what initiated that um my feelings of being alone and lost and not finding other people, other moms who seemed to speak the way that I wanted to speak about motherhood. And I remember I was going to a conference that weekend, um, this particular weekend with my husband on the Saturday morning. And on the Friday night, my baby was beside me. She was in the co-sleeper. My son was in his cot. And I was on my phone scrolling and I came across the website of a woman called Beth Berry, Revolution yeah. from Home. Yeah. <laughs> and oh my god like when I look back and I, I think I speak about Beth Berry in every single podcast I've ever done because that was a turning point I cried and I cried and I cried as I read every blog post that she had I went through them all way back to like her very first one that she had on her website and I went to sleep that night I would try to go to sleep but my mind was buzzing my heart was so open and for the first time since I had become a mother so almost three years, um, I really felt like I was responding to the world around me again, as opposed to being head down, focusing on motherhood and getting through the day and loving my children, but not having much room for anything else. So I went to that conference and whatever had happened or opened up in me that night, I spoke to so many mothers that weekend who spoke to me and they cried and they told me about their motherhood and we spoke about the difficulties and we spoke about the challenges. So I knew that weekend in 2016, I am going to work with mums and I don't know yet what capacity that would be, but I know that this is something that I have to do. And at that time, when I looked and researched into how best to do that, the coaching was the perfect fit for me. So I went on then to study my diploma in coaching and I've been a coach, practicing as a coach since 2017 then. And then in the last two years, I'm studying to become a psychotherapist um, with two more years of study because I want to take, I suppose, my understanding and my research even further yeah. into supporting the postpartum women, the whole postpartum experience. Wonderful. I, I see your passion. I see your energy for it. And I would say that uh, motherhood has been, for me, also a massive catalyst uh, for change because, you know, so far I've been working as a stylist, life coach, business coach, and I must say that motherhood did something to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, awaken completely something different. I, um, but I think for now uh, that... Um, that way of bringing that inner fire, which is so important for us moms, well, for me, very important, <laughs> uh, mm. is, is the podcast. But I absolutely love listening to how you talk about that passion. I think 
I find it's really inspiring and so needed because we often, when we become moms, we, we feel like you say so lost that we may not see that this will ever end or that you will ever find yourself uh, and that inner fire. And I think it's wonderful to uh, to see that the right time will come. Sometimes it's not about pressurizing yourself yeah. that when it clicks, like just like you yeah. said, you, you saw the post, something just initiated in you, awakened that fire and, and off you go. And yeah, so it can happen in any moment and in the right moment. That's most important, I think. <laughs> yeah. So that's brilliant. But last very final question is, if you were invited to speak at TED conference tomorrow with one message to the world, what would you talk about? That an identity crisis in motherhood is more common than you could have ever imagined. And women, mothers all over the world experience it. We just don't have the language to talk about it. And that would be my TED talk. Oh, fantastic. Very much needed. Yeah, yeah, to, to yeah, spread that message so. and to normalize it, right? Yeah. And not many moms uh, yet know actually about mattresses. I speak to moms every day. And yeah. I, I think there is um, still potential for exactly bringing that message to the world. So, yes, wonderful. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that uh, conversation. And it's just wonderful work that you do. And I hope you keep changing mom's lives because that's what you exactly do and wishing you all the best on your journey it's been lovely chatting with you thank you thank you so much thank you so much for joining me mama if you enjoyed this episode i would love for you to leave me a review and subscribe to be notified when the next episode drops if you would like to connect with me you can find me over at instagram where my handle is at firestartermom Looking forward to see you back here soon for our next chat. Bye for now.